I sat down here today and pulled up the microphone, turned it on. No script. Just some good intentions on what to say. When things aren't going as smoothly in your life as you want them to, especially when it relates to your kids, you can feel the emotions stirring up inside of you, but you just don't know what's going to come out. All right, let's do it. Making plans with the boys. I'm gonna hit the town. Yeah, I'm gonna make some noise. I push past the pain and my wounded pride. I'm gonna live it up. Yeah, I'll stay here all night. But sure, I've had some better times. And I can't count all the tears I've cried. You know, children are a funny asset in your life, aren't they? When you look at them when they're first born, there isn't anything you wouldn't do for any of them. You love them more than yourself, more than your, more than your wife, more than anything you've ever seen in your entire life. The more they grow, the stronger that love gets. And then they turn on you, don't they? <laughs> uh, they don't really turn on you, but they become their own person. And becoming their own person means that they're not as attached to you as they once were. Oh, it starts early. Six, seven, eight years old, sometimes earlier. You look at them and realize they're becoming a little version of you, but not quite the same, are they? You can see their own individual personalities splintering away from you, them finding their own course, even early in life. And when they're younger, I didn't mind. I was proud of that fact. I was proud that they were cutting their own course and finding their own way. I, I thought that was a good thing. Until they reach teenage status. It's when the fighting begins, isn't it? No. Sometimes a little earlier, sometimes a little later, but the teenage years is when they intentionally make a stand, isn't it? When they deliberately become their own person and they remind you. And a part of us is okay with that too, aren't we? A part of us is okay with them becoming their own person, tolerating what they do. We realize they're standing up for themselves, don't we? We know that's okay. We want them to. But sometimes it gets worse, and sometimes we begin seeing things in them that, that we don't like, some personality traits that we do not like them splintering off and becoming. Maybe there's things that we can't correct. Things you've been working on for 17 years and you realize you only have one year left to make these, these sort of course corrections, if you will. Maybe they're disrespectful. 
Maybe they're lazy. Maybe they turned out to be an uncaring individual. Maybe they just are one of those people that's not built with a lot of sympathy. What if you begin to notice in your child, this this creature that you've raised and patterned after yourself, what if, what if all of a sudden you realize they just don't function normally? Like they just don't get it. Maybe, maybe they're not even being arrogant and cocky. Maybe you can't attribute it to angst or maybe you can't uh, blame it on hormones raging. What if you genuinely look at them and wonder if they're going to make it in the world because they just don't get it? Now, you can have you can have a good child, basically a good kid. He doesn't he doesn't light cats on fire. He doesn't knock over the neighbors' mailboxes. Uh, you know, he doesn't break Christmas lights on the houses of the neighborhood every year. All right, he's a good kid. He's not a troublemaker. Maybe he does decently in school, but maybe he doesn't really try at anything. Maybe your child doesn't care about accomplishing anything in life. Maybe your child just floats along thinking somehow everything's going to be okay. Now, can we blame that on entitlement? Oh, that's an easy one. I'd love to do that. I'd love to be able to take any one of my eight children and, and blame society and culture and the indoctrination at schools. I'd love to be able to tell everyone, oh, it's not me. It's a society has made them feel entitled and they're lazy and wanted everything handed to them. All right. Yeah, I'd buy that. It's a reasonable explanation. It's happening all over the country. But what if deep down you know that's not what's going on with your child? Well, I'll tell you as a parent, you want to explore every possibility. Is it medical? You get all their blood work done. You take them to two or three different doctors. You take them to specialists. You make sure that everything in their system is balanced correctly and their thyroid is working and on and on and on. What if all that checks out? What if all that turns out to be okay? Hmm? Now what? What if you have a child who just can't focus, can't get it done, doesn't care to try, has moments of emotion, so you know they're not a completely unsympathetic, uncaring child. You know, you yell at them and they cry. You praise them and they're happy. You know there's emotions in there. But what if the mistakes they're making, even though at the moment they might be considered small, and they always apologize, but what if what if the mistakes they're making, the unfocused moments that they have, can be life-altering? What if in the course of doing some regular activities, you wake up in the morning and uh, the burner on your stove is still going? What if you pass by their open doorway to their room and there's a candle uh, lit in their room and they're gone? What if that candle could fall over and light the house on fire? What if they just uncaringly left the 
the gate unlocked and your dogs get out where they could bite someone and cause you all sorts of trouble in the neighborhood. You might get sued. They might have your dog put down. It's happened. And why? Because of a gate lock. What if you've been working on these basic fundamentals? Hey, don't leave a candle lit in your room. Make sure you turn off the, the stove when you're done. Make sure you close the gate when you take out the garbage can. What if you've been working on these fundamentals daily for the past 17 years and they're no closer to having those common sense things activate inside their brain than they were when they were seven or eight? What if some things have actually happened? What if, what if some things have happened where you can show the child the consequences? What if, what if them um, not paying attention to uh, their bath water has flooded upstairs and actually put a hole in your ceiling in your kitchen? Or you can say, see what happens when you walk away? See what happens when you're not paying attention? What if there's been some consequences that you have drugged them by the back of the neck and shown them this is what happens when you're not paying attention to what's going on in the world around you. But nothing changes. What if all of these things are true and there's no medical condition, there's no psychological disorder, there's you know, you've, you've run the gamut with every specialist from ADHD to ADD. You've run the course of, of every piece of uh, information and blood work and scan you can possibly do. And there's no solid answers. Now, let's say you have a child at this point and you've, they're, they're aware. Oh, your child's aware. You've been explaining things as you go along for all these years. And then they want a car. Now, you explain to them, well, you know, I hate to tell you this, but with uh, the way you focus and the way you concentrate uh, and, and the rare times you do make these big mistakes, I can't have you make one of these mistakes on the road where you can harm yourself or someone else. I, I can't have you plow into a country squire station wagon filled with another family just going on a, on a road trip, can I? Isn't that irresponsible of me? Oh, you give the speech, and they're just looking right through you, waiting for you to get done talking, and the first question out of their mouth is, so do I get my license or not? I tell you, you there's so many aspects to raising a child that are difficult. It's, <laughs> it's almost comical. You think that if you can just nail down some of the basics, okay, I want them to be a caring, loving child when a, when, a, when a dog is sick. I want that to bother them. I want them to feel that. When something needs to get done, I want them to look across the room and go handle it and step up. I want them to rise to the occasion. I don't want them to be mean. I don't want them to turn out like Sid from Toy Story. I just... God, if you could just help me get a few of these things nailed down, the rest of it I'll take care of myself. I'll be a good parent. You know, your 17-year-old isn't a drunk, a drug addict. No, 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 no. He's doing good there. You want your child to be caring and loving. He's got all those checked off. 
And it doesn't matter whether it's a boy or a girl. Now, I, I, I have a tendency to believe um, from my 54 years of experience on this planet um, that girls are harder to raise than boys, but that's purely on a mental, emotional connection with them and how to go about disciplining them. But I think that um, I think boys are more likely uh, to not be able to get their life in order. I don't know why that is. Maybe that's not a true statement overall. I'm Maybe that's just a small observation from a dumb mechanic in the middle of the desert like I am. But back to my point. And what if you have a daughter that can't ever get past a certain point in her life? And I mean, uh, okay job, okay car, living at home, pays a few bucks rent, and realizes she would very much like to stay right there for her entire life. How many, how many of you have kids that are still home that are 30? that are 40. How many of you have kids that you've never been able to push out of the nest and you know you should, but you just can't do it? Now, the problem is, is that people come to me with, they ask questions for advice like that. What do I do? Well, there's some kids that need to be just pushed out. Here's your suitcase full of shit. Get out in the corner. There, I put you out on the curb. Here's a $100 bill. Here's a bus ticket anywhere you want to go. Now get out and go make something of yourself. Now, you know they're going to go to a relative or a friend, but a relative and a friend isn't going to put up with them. Not not with any bullshit. No, 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 no. And they're, they're going to act differently. Oh, kids do. All of my kids grew up with wonderful chores and cleaning the house, helping with the dishes voluntarily, praising all of the goodness around them, but it was always at someone else's house. I would get glowing reports, oh, your son, your daughter spent the night over here or spent a couple nights with my son or my daughter and their best friends and everything. You're, you're so well met. Do you know your son vacuumed? He vacuumed the living room for us after we had a big barbecue that night. Did you know your daughter did all the dishes for us? Did you? They act differently, don't they? <laughs> I'm sorry to say, <laughs> but when you kick them out and force them into a situation, they have to grow up. But is that true for every one of them? No. Um, there's some kids, if you force them out on the street and you give them their $100 bill and their bus ticket, uh, they want to go commit suicide. They have no idea what's going on, although they talk a good story and they run their mouth and they're, they're disrespectful and they'll argue. But as soon as you put them on the street, you can genuinely see the look in their eyes like you just dropped a cat off six miles from its home on a busy street corner. And that cat is now cowering with wide eyes looking at all the cars going by thinking, what do I do? Where am I? I want to go home. There's some kids that feel that same way. Now, problem as parents is you have to be able to decide what level of push they need and when they need it. And that's the advice I can't give anybody. Hell, can't even give myself that advice to be fair. All I can do is best guess. But that's what parenting is, isn't it? It's just our best guess. Kids didn't come with instruction booklets. 
There's not an instruction booklet you get with the hospital. Here's your baby. We wrapped him up. Here's a blanket. We'll start you off with uh, some formula here and some medication and see your doctor in a few weeks. Oh, and here's your here's your owner's manual. Comes complete with your warranty. If you have any questions, call the 1-800 number on the back, and they'll straighten you out. No. There's not. And why isn't there? Because every single child is different. Every single parent is different. Remember, kids are sponges. They have no idea about feelings or emotions. They have no idea about the world. They are a dry sponge, and they begin to soak up whatever you put around them. If you're a fighting, angry family, if you're screaming, if you are um, loud, they absorb that. If you are a kind and loving family, they absorb that. If you move from town to town every six months, they absorb that. It's funny. We don't, we don't ever blame ourselves, but we, we often don't realize that kids just are the, the beginning of a child is the product of whatever we, whatever we put in front of them, isn't it? But that's what we like. We, we sort of like that because like in the beginning, we talked about how uh, they look like us. They act like us. They begin to think and behave a mini version of me. Well, it's because they're soaking up everything around. They like the same things. They don't like the same things. And we're proud of that fact until they start splintering off with their own personality. There's a time to be proud of that, but there's a time to not understand it too. And what do we always do? We go back in our memory. We go back to our parents and we ask the same question, was I this way? We're trying to understand what, what, what happened when I was 16. You try to remember at 17 your own feelings. And what do we always tell ourselves? Oh, my circumstances were different. I can't apply that. I had different parents back then. My parents were way worse than me. I can't expect to under, them to understand. My child can't understand my, my youth. It's different. Was it? All right, maybe for some. Maybe for some people, you can say, well, my, my mother and my two brothers and I, we, we lived in a car. We lived in a Honda Civic on the side of the road. All right. And maybe that isn't the case with you. There, there's going to be some examples where, you know, there's drastic differences in the way your parents were and the way you are. I got it. But can we all admit that there's a lot of similarities? Can we all admit that a lot of the things that we promised we would never do to our kids, because we hated it, we ended up doing. Now, for some of us, we, we've made some, made some life corrections of our own. There's some things that my, my, my mother did to me that I was swore I would never do, and I don't. I've moved away from it. Some of those things I do. But all of a sudden, you start analyzing, and that doesn't seem to help. Now, you're still looking at your child who just doesn't get it, you're afraid they're going to make some sort of mistake that's going to be costly. They're going to leave you know, the, the, the burner on in the kitchen again. It's going to burn your house down. So they're not a bad kid, but they're just not all there. And you can see that as a parent, but you don't know what to do. Medically, they're okay. Everything checks out. Psychologically, you've taken to every counselor you can. They're okay there. They've run all their tests. There's just something that doesn't switch on. Now, there is some good news here. 
All right. I've had one of those kids and I've watched them grow up and I literally sat in my room at my desk with my hands folded under my chin, staring at a picture of this child on my computer screen, knowing one day they would end up missing or dead because they just weren't watching the world go around them correctly. They, they had no idea what was coming. They couldn't see out in front of them three feet. And they couldn't focus on anything. And lo and behold, they made it to their mid-20s. And by 27 years old, I saw the light turn on. I saw a change for the good, for the better. I saw encouragement. Oh, my God, I can't tell you the relief. I came home and almost cried. I... I shit you not, that's one of the best feelings on the planet is when you know that one of your children is out in the world, but you know what? They're going to be okay. I remember exactly where I was standing, what I was doing, and the things that I was being made aware of that were changing my mind. But what happens if they don't, they don't change? What happens if they don't get there? How long do you worry as a parent? Forever? Is there any way to convince yourself that you've done all you can do, you've prepared them, what happens now is not on you anymore? I hate when people say that. I hate it. You know, the only people that have ever told me that, don't worry, you've done everything correct, you've, you've made some mistakes, but what parent hasn't? You're doing a good job, everything's right where it's supposed to be. Everybody's uh, intact in and you they're healthy and you've raised them. This isn't on you. You know, I don't want you to feel guilty. I don't want you to feel upset. You've done everything right. What happens now to the child is on the child. What happens is whatever decisions they make. It's not on you. Let it go and realize you've done a good job. Every single idiot that utters those words that in, in my life, in my half a century on this planet, has one thing in common. None of them are parents. Not one. So, where does that leave us? You have a child who you have been told by everyone that you're doing everything right as a parent. You have a child who's medically been checked out six ways from Sunday. You have a child who's been to every psychologist, psychiatrist, and counselor, and every brain scan has been done. Everyone tells you the child is okay. Everyone tells you the child will be fine. Everyone tells you the child is not your concern. If they do, if they do something, it's not on you. And yet there you sit, knowing that that child is going to reach over for a bag of Doritos on the passenger side floor of his car while he's driving at 60 miles an hour for longer than he should be reaching for it. You just know, as a parent, although everybody around looks at this child and they're loving and they're kind and they're average and they're normal and they have the range of emotions they're supposed to, you know secretly that deep inside there's a flaw. There's an incomplete gap in the DNA. There's something not wired quite right and you wish you could fix it. 
You know what the worst part of that is? And I'll tell you, there's yeah, if you thought it couldn't get any worse, it absolutely can. Here's the worst part. What if your child comes to you and says, you know what? I've been kind of looking at the way I act, the way I behave, and the things that I'm I'm doing, and something's wrong with me. I don't understand why I do these dumb little things that could have these terrible consequences. I know that I could kill someone with my car. I know that I could burn our house down. I know that our dogs are like family members, and if I don't lock the gate, I I know this could be terrible on them. They could put those dogs down. And I, I don't know why I make these mistakes. Help me. I don't know why I'm broken. Can you fix me? What if you have a child that is self-aware of their shortcomings and now they come to you and there are tears in their eyes and they're pleading with you, I just want to be okay, I just want to be normal, and I'm trying everything I can and I don't know why I don't know why I'm behaving this way. Now what do you do? Because as a parent, one of my go-to moves is always to come across very stern and scare the shit out of that child, show them an accident on the side of the road where there's a family bleeding to death inside and force their face up to the window and say, look at what you could do if you don't pay attention. When I was a kid, the shock value made me change course. If I got spanked, I got the shit kicked out of me, I realized, whoa, I better not do that again. If there was some shock value of an accident on the side of the road, you know, my mother didn't press my face up against the glass, but as we drove by slowly, she points and she made me look and said, this is what happens when you don't pay attention. Now, she didn't know what caused that accident, no idea, but she wasn't going to let a good circumstance for teaching slip past me. Rightly so, in my opinion. My mother was very good about taking those moments and those opportunities and impressing upon me some of the things that I needed to remember, some things that you can't just skip around. Well, that's a shock value moment. That's a that's a in-your-face, scare that child into being correct, show them the consequences of their actions, the potential consequences in this case, and they'll remember, it'll sink in. Well, not only have I been doing that, you know, a lot of us have, we've been doing that as parents for all those 17 years, but now your child comes up to you almost begging, going, you know what, uh, I get it, but I can't fix it, what do I do, help me. Well, now you can't run around saying, well, you're an idiot and you're going to screw this up and someone's going to die. You, you, you almost can't, you, you can't come across with that dominant authoritative voice because they're asking for help. And I will tell you, the thing I had been begging for my entire life with these children 
was for them to understand what they were doing. I figured once they understood what they were doing, they could make these simple corrections out of common sense on their own. They would just change. Well, I don't want I don't want to burn the house down. I guess I'll put out that candle in my room before I leave. I think that was the thing that I was scared of the most that they would never get there. But I was wrong. <laughs> I was wrong. The thing that I learned I was most afraid of was when they became self-aware of their problem and couldn't fix it. It's almost like when your child gets sick and they come to you and say, I'm sick. Dad, please, please fix me. I'm sick. And you determine yourself you're going to run to the doctor and take care of them. You're going to pay whatever it takes. You will lie, cheat, and steal. But by God, my child is going to be okay. I get it. Believe me, I get it. Your child wants to feel safe and secure in your home. They want to look to you like you have all the answers. And then they come to you with this. What do you do? What do you tell them? You tell your child, I've done every test I can do medically. I've taken you to every emotional, psychological doctor I can. Whatever's broken inside of you, I can't fix. So you're either going to have to figure it out or you're going to just live through the consequences of whatever you screw up. Is that what you tell them? You put it back on them again? I'll tell you what my inclination always is, is to, A, tell them, I'll fix it no matter what. We'll work on this together. And then I find myself giving them more sympathy, letting them stretch the rules a little bit. I find myself letting up, yeah, letting up a little bit, not, not quite clamping down so hard. Because after all, they can't help it. They know it. I know it. Why yell? Why point out the thing in their life they can't fix? If they had a disability, would you walk around pointing out to a child, hey, you don't walk very well? Would you? No. If anything... You kind of cover up the disability and you punch anyone in the face who mentions it in front of your child. Don't talk about my child and their disability. You get very protective. Let me reassure you that if you're ever in this situation and you've gotten to this point with your child and they are self-aware and they know they're a little bit broken and you're trying to help them, and they're trying to help them, let me, let me just tell you, you become protective of that also. You don't want some relative, your kid's uncle come along and say, yeah, it's still stupid, dumb as a rock, because you burned your house down yet? And you walk over and you clock that dude right in his head and go, you know what, I'll talk about my kid. Four years ago, you'd have joined in with him going, yep, my kid's still an idiot. I'm lucky I'm still here. Lucky he hasn't burned the house down or, you know, caused the neighborhood to go up in flames. 
But when a child becomes self-aware of their problem, when a child becomes self-aware of a deficiency, and then they've asked you for help and you already know there's no answer, what do you do? I'll tell you what you do. You worry every time they leave the house. You follow around them physically, or if you have security cameras outdoor, you follow everything they've done to make sure that everything that they've accomplished was done correctly so that there's no damage. You run around cleaning up after them without telling them. Well, I'll tell you why. That's simple. I, if I run around cleaning up after one of my kids who's in this emotional or mental state, I don't want them to know I'm cleaning up behind them and I'm fixing things behind them because I don't want them to rely on that. I don't want them to walk through the world. Oh, my daddy will just walk behind me and fix all my messes. I don't want them to know that. That's, that's terrible. What a, and there's parents that do that. There's parents that absolutely do that. If you're one of them, you're doing it wrong. Just so you know, not that anybody asked me. So what do you do? What's the next step? Now, some of you in this podcast turned it off a long time ago. Some of you pulled over to the side of the road and you cranked up the volume just a little bit. And you're wondering what to do. You're wondering how to be on this side of the fence. You're wondering, is there an answer? And I'd love to tell you that there is. I hate to tell you that the answer is hold your breath. <laughs> but I will tell you that there is a, there is a key component there in this, in this conversation, in this specific scenario. And all, all kids are different. Yours is different than mine. We got that. But the fact that they became self-aware to the point that it hurt them inside, they got it, meant something. And what I mean by that is now you can have an open dialogue saying, all right, you know that some of the choices you make can be very bad. They can have huge consequences. As they become 18 or 19 and you stay on them, you, you do point things out. You keep correcting them. You keep walking behind them going, look what you did here. Got to turn your brain on, my man. You got to turn your brain on. You can't do this. This is not good. You can't function this way. As they get older and they start venturing out in the world on their own, I remind them, hey, uh, I'm not there walking behind you fixing things. I'm not walking behind you pointing things out. I'm not walking behind you tapping you on the shoulder and giving you some guidance. You, you're going to leave now. You're going to do this on your own. You want to go you know, up north for five days with your buddies? Okay. You, you got to try hard. You, you're aware. You're aware of the situation, right? You're aware of the problem? Yeah, I'm aware of the problem, Dad. Okay. Go on now. And then you hold your breath and you wait. They come back. Maybe some of the situations they get into will scare the shit out of them. Cause something to turn on in their brain. Hope. I hope they're okay. I hope everyone's okay. It's, a, it's not an easy game to play. 
when you're trying to wait until the light bulb turns on, is it? But them being self-aware, them saying, I don't want to have a family and let my children down. I don't want to have a wife who dies in a car accident. I don't want to be out on the road and not paying attention. And I find myself laying on the side of a desert highway running to a telephone pole because I was reaching for Doritos just a little bit too long. Sometimes they slowly climb that ladder out of that pit, one rung at a time, and you can see them getting it, and you can see them understanding, and maybe they can take on a little bit more responsibility, and you know what the entire goal is, is to see that light bulb come on when you know that they've turned the corner. So what are you asking me? What are you asking me about? Should I, what's my, what's my advice? What should I, what should I tell you? The only thing I can tell you is to stay the course, explore every possibility that there's nothing that can be corrected medically or psychologically or emotionally. Anything to be corrected there, you do it, you you help them do it. But after that, you just have to find out what works with your child. Remember, screaming every single event just shuts them down. Screaming has to be, has to have some shock value, doesn't it? It has to be so rare that when you explode, when you're mad, that it counts. You scream every day, they don't even hear you anymore. It's average. It's typical. They're used to it. They expect it. So those of you parents that are screamers all day long, you're idiots. You've lost all all the shock value. There's no consequence to you yelling. You can't yell louder every time. Yeah, you, if you're that person, you failed. And now you're stuck. You have nowhere to go. You've pulled out the big guns. Now what do you do? But I think for the rest of us, you stay the course. You check everything out you can. You explain. You show examples. You show consequences when you can. And I think... The best thing that can happen is for them to be self-aware, even though that kills you as a parent. The best thing is for them to become self-aware and start exploring the world. They'll understand their deficiency when it scares them, when it shocks them, when when a situation comes up that they're in a holy shit, what have I done moment. I I kind of think that quietly and secretly, without a lot of stories and explanations back to me as a parent, that my children, who I have seen the light bulb come on, I think they've lived through a dozen or so of those moments, and I think it did turn something on inside of them. I saw a difference. But what if your child never grows up? What if they never mature? What if they there's just something that doesn't ever click and that light bulb never goes on? If that is the absolute genuine answer, when you come to the bottom line, the arithmetic is all done and you circle your answer at the bottom of the page and go, they're never going to get it. Then I think you have a decision to make and I would honor it Either way, because you can either push your child out into the world 
and let them be part of society at whatever level they can rise to. Or you can keep them close to home and and keep working and guide them through life or you can keep a closer tab on them and you can help guide and you can help correct. I don't know which is right for you. I'm not even sure which is right for me, <laughs> to be honest. I've raised 32 children off and on over the past half a century and on the last batch of eight, four boys and four girls. And I will tell you, that not only was there not a handbook given out with these kids, I don't know that I figured out anything with one kid that would work on another. So all the things I'm talking about here may or may not have any consequence with your relationship with your child, any similarity at all. I don't know. I don't know. But I want to tell you that I'm not going to fault you and I'm not going to blame you. I'm not going to criticize you and I certainly am not going to judge you if you decide to push them out into the world and see where they, where they go. And I'm not going to judge you if you keep them home at 35 years old. If you've done everything you can do, if you've explored every possibility if you have not been lazy yourself, I want you to take all these excuses and reasons and your child just a screw up living at home at 40 years old and you walk around, oh, I explored every possibility. And I don't want you to hear this podcast and write down all the clever answers where you can just repeat them to your friends. Yes, uh, I've tried medically and I've tried uh, counseling and I've tried, I've tried the church, of course, and I've tried. I don't want you just to read off a list of the things I just said. I want you to actually use them. I want you to actually try. I want you to actually go down every road you can. It's important. But I want you to know that I will respect your decision. Because in the end, just like me, you're, you're just doing the best you can with what you've got. You're exploring every possibility for the benefit of your child. You make decisions, and some of them are wrong, and some of them are right. Sometimes there's progress, sometimes there's not. I know. I'm still doing it. I guess the if I can't give you any answers, if I can only give you some examples and some stories and a direction, I guess the only thing that I really have to offer and Admittedly, it's not much, but I'm going to offer it anyway. Maybe the only thing I have to really offer you is my support. Non-judgmental support. Maybe even go as far as to say my approval, because if you're a parent who's loving your child and doing everything you possibly can, then I approve. I do. It's the parents that give very little effort and write down excuses and pass those children off as not their problem anymore. Yeah, if you know who you are and some of you, some of you are listening or that parent, I do not approve of what you've done to that child. And I think they would have been better off without you. Because if all you did was shortcut your child in life, you didn't help anybody.
Certainly not the child. That's it. I, I don't have much to offer then to tell you that I'm with you, that uh, I have the same problems you guys do. And I run into them daily. And I think as soon as all my kids get out of the house, I'll, I'll be participating in some level with grandchildren doing the same thing. Anyway, that's about it. Podcast uh, didn't run a little long, but it did post a little bit late. I'm not sure if you got anything out of this or not. I'll tell you what, it was therapy for me. <laughs> uh, sometimes writing stuff down is therapy. You guys know that. Sometimes saying things out loud is therapy. So uh, I'm not sure that I gave myself any divine revelations because the light bulb didn't seem to go off in my head. But you know what? Sometimes it's comforting just to know someone out there uh, is going through the same thing, going that we're all on the same treadmill. Yeah. So remember that the music's coming up, and I got to tell you goodbye. I'm sorry this was a solo venture. I'm sorry that we didn't have the kid and Gen X mom in here too. Sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. So you got stuck with listening to me ramble for 45 minutes. You could have turned it off. Yeah, you could have turned that off and just told everyone I watched it, I listened, <laughs> I was there. So I just got to tell you, thank you for wasting time. If you had to waste an hour of your time, thank you for wasting it with some version of Gen X Talks. And whether you're listening on AM, FM, or anywhere around the world on the Armed Service Radio Network, from everyone here at Gen X Talks, I want to tell you, hey, we'll catch you guys on the flip side. Yeah.